Yeah, so Maine is the first and only state in the United States that has passed a statewide tiny home law. Wow, congratulations. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 183 with Corinne Watson. Not long ago, the Maine legislature passed LD 1981, a bill which defined tiny home. Uh, It says tiny home means a living space permanently constructed on a frame or chassis and designed for use as a permanent living quarters. It then goes on to specify some other things about what a tiny home is. The Maine legislature then passed LD 1530, which is an act to allow people to live in tiny homes as a primary or accessory dwelling. This makes Maine the first state in the United States to legalize tiny house living statewide. And my guest, Corinne Watson, was instrumental in making this happen. So in this conversation, Corinne will break down what these laws do and don't do, what the process of advocacy was like, and how you can look to Maine as a model to bring to your state or town to help the cause and legalize tiny houses. I hope you stick around. I'd like to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Precision Temp. Precision Temp is making one product to solve two issues that I know everyone deals with in a tiny house, running out of hot water and heating your tiny house. Precision Temp has made the amazing Twin Temp Junior propane tankless water heater, which provides unlimited hot water for your tiny house and hydronic heating. This means you get warm, heated floors so there are no cold spots. It's designed specifically for tiny houses and features whisper-quiet operation as well as high efficiency. If you want more information on how Precision Temp can help make living tiny easier and more comfortable, visit precisiontemp.com. While you're there, use the coupon code THLP for $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping. That website again is precisiontemp.com, coupon code THLP for $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Precision Temp for sponsoring our show. All right, I am here with Corinne Watson. Corinne Watson has been drawing floor plans and sketching home designs on scraps of paper for as long as she can remember. Born and raised in Smyrna, Maine, she hails from small-town roots. As the daughter of a Verizon line woman, Corinne learned at an early age that grit and determination can get you just about anywhere. That drive spurred her to be the first in her family to go to college. Corinne attended the University of Southern Maine and completed a degree in electrical engineering with a concentration in microelectronics. She landed her first job out of college at Fairchild Semiconductor and then Smith & Wesson, where she learned the fundamentals of lean manufacturing, a process that eliminates waste. She returned to Southern Maine in 2012 to work as a process engineer at IDEXX. Corinne put her lean manufacturing expertise to work and began improving the manufacturing process and efficiencies of the company's small animal and livestock analyzer units. Despite success, Corinne never felt fulfilled climbing the corporate ladder. She wanted to merge a passion for design and architecture with her manufacturing background into a purposeful business. 
We have a major homelessness problem in Maine. My dream is to buy a field and fill it with tiny homes for people who have no home, says Corinne, who is here on the call with us. I also wanted to build this business to address environmental concerns. A tiny home forces you to live a more conscious lifestyle. Everything has a purpose and everything has a place. You naturally waste less and live more simply. Corinne Watson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's great. Great to have you here. Um, so I figured we could just jump right in. Um, can you talk about what LD1981 is? What What's kind of going on in Maine on the legal front? Absolutely. So in 2019, mm-hmm. actually this started where we were getting titles issued from the state for our tiny homes, which worked out great. We actually worked with the Secretary of State and the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, and we had a streamlined process for people who needed to finance tiny homes, Mm -hmm. and they needed that title paperwork. And also, that was good for registering them and transporting them. Well, somebody decided that tiny homes should not receive a title and should not be transported. So that kind of shut down our business in 2019. And that that really is what prompted me to work with local legislators to get something in place so we could get back to business. So I dug in and became a lobbyist. (laughs) I didn't know that was going to happen at the time, but LD 1981 basically just is a tiny home definition in Maine law. So I worked with Dan Fitzpatrick of Tiny Home Industry Association. And he forwarded the definition that a lot of California cities were using, like LA, for movable tiny home. So I used that definition. And long story short, got a law passed. So now in Title 29A in Maine law is a definition of tiny home. So we were then able to issue titles, and it's a specific tiny home title. So that enabled us to get back to business and people could get back to financing tiny homes. And, you know, we established a new process with the new definition and the new title. So that was that piece of legislation. And then we had more following up with that as well. Cool. So is there kind of a next step on the legal front for Maine? Yeah, well, it that also has been passed. So as many municipalities and, and states throughout the nation, placement of tiny homes is a major, major issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we dedicate a lot of our time helping our clients work with their local municipalities and placing tiny homes. And it seemed like every municipality you know, would say no, or they didn't have enough resources, or they didn't know what to do, or said pretty much their hands were tied unless the state passed something that they could go by. Mm. So then we entered another bill in the next legislative session, and that was LD 1530. And again, I worked with local senators and representatives to lobby for that passage. And that is, um, it builds upon the previous piece of legislation. So it uses the definition and says, if your tiny home meets the definition per 
Title 29A, then the state shall approve or accept or permit tiny homes statewide. Mm. So now we have statewide tiny home acceptance. So that kind of was the follow-up with that. And it passed. And it takes 90 days for the bill to become a law. So that should be happening, I think, at the end of this month in September. And it will be official. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So Maine is the first and only state in the United States that has passed a statewide tiny home law. So does this, um, like, force every city and town in Maine to allow tiny homes? It doesn't mandate or force Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. It simply opens the door to allow it. Okay. Rather than, you know, we have a definition. I mean, part of that second legislation that was passed, there was a lot of a lot of concern about we still want to keep the home rule intact. So, you know, no one likes mandates. Right. So towns still can decide and, you know, create ordinances to maybe prohibit in certain zones or, but it just opens the door and say, look, the state is encouraging towns to allow tiny homes. We're in a housing crisis. Something has to be done. And this, all of these discussions were happened at the public hearing from our legislators and the, the committee chairman saying, you know, they recognize something has to be done. We can't just say, no, that's not allowed and then have no solution behind it. Right. Because there was opposition to the bill passing and that, and they challenged the opposition to work with me to amend the bill so they could support it because mm-hmm. you just can't keep saying no to housing options. <laughs> Something has to give. What was the what was the kind of gist of the opposition? Why didn't they want to support it? It was more it had to do with that home rule. Ah. You know, there's they didn't want they wanted local control and not a state mandate. Got it. So, you know, similar to Maine has passed recreational marijuana sales. Okay. But it's still up to each individual town whether they allow to have recreational marijuana sales or not. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty similar to that. Got it. So it's passed statewide, but a town would have to go out of its way Right now, they don't have to do anything to allow tiny homes, but they would have to do something to prohibit them. Okay. So it's, it's opt, it's opt out, not opt in. Yes. Yes. That's, that's great. And then I'm guessing that the town's zoning rules still apply in terms of placing the tiny home. What, what does the bill do for that in terms of how they decide to classify a tiny home in terms of their zoning? Well, that's just the thing. It doesn't have to be classified. It's its own thing. Uh, so it's not. Not an uh, RV. Well, it's not an RV. It's a tiny home per the definition in the law. So you don't have to classify. That was what was the issue before is trying to uh-huh. 
group it in. Well, it's a mobile home. Well, it's not a single family dwelling. Well, it's an RV. Well, here's an exact definition that tells what it is. And actually at the end of the definition, it tells what it is not. So it says, this is not an RV. This is not a mobile home. This is not um, a trailer. I can't remember what else it says, but yeah. Yeah. So there's still more work to be done. You had mentioned, you know, zoning. So that is kind of another hurdle is the zoning because towns are confused because they have, some towns have accessory dwelling ordinances and, you know, so they're trying to figure out how this fits in with what they have already in place and if, if they need to change anything and if so, what. Right, right. Yeah, I could see how that would be confusing with existing ADU law. Yes. Are there any towns that, like, or I guess my question is, what has the response been? Have you, have you heard feedback from towns? And are any towns kind of getting out ahead of this and, and trying to figure out those zoning issues? No. I'm, I don't know of any, I don't think anything's changed. I mean, I think that towns are more accepting uh-huh. because they know that legislation was passed so that now they they just accept it and it's like oh it's allowed okay right okay well cool yeah yeah so you mentioned before that that you know you really got into this initiative because it you wanted to get back to business can you explain more about what this does from you know from the perspective of a a professional tiny house builder in the state? It doesn't really change what, what we're doing that much. All, you know, we really like helping people live a lifestyle they can enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, our mission. So it helps us help our clients. Okay. But people, you know, as far as it affecting sales or anything like that, I mean, there was people buying tiny homes either way, you know, whether they were asking permission or not. Yeah. So it helps us help our clients. So that that is a good piece. But I think that we probably would have been fine either way. Mm -hmm. But it is important to us, you know, to help our community and, and help people with housing options. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about the sponsor for today's show, Precision Temp. One of the hardest things about being in my tiny house in the winter is that the floors are really cold. And I could have solved that problem by adding more insulation. But the reality is that a tiny house on a trailer is always going to have cold floors or much colder floors than you're used to if you are coming from a house that has a basement or is even built on a slab. So the Precision Temp Twin Temp Junior propane tankless water heater can actually help solve this problem because you can install heated floors in your house and you can do it with the same appliance that provides you with unlimited hot water. So the Twin Temp Junior really does solve two issues with one appliance, which let's be honest, in a tiny house, space matters, cost matters, and just 
being more intentional. So you get to use one appliance for two purposes. Right now, Precision Temp is offering $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping when you use the coupon code THLP at checkout. Head over to their website, precisiontemp.com, for more information on how Precision Temp can help make tiny living easier and more comfortable. And while you're there, be sure to use the coupon code THLP for $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping. Thanks so much to Precision Temp for sponsoring our show. Um, I know there's going to be people who listening who are very curious to, to kind of learn about like, how could I do this in my state or in my town? Um, Mm -hmm. what's your advice to them? Dig in, know the existing Mm -hmm. laws. You know, I literally got the law books, which you can order from your state and went through everything. And, you know, because I honestly thought a lot, we didn't need to make a law to make this happen, mm-hmm. but it was the quickest way to get there. But yeah, just dig in, find a local rep that will advocate for you. You know, not, there's people that have opinions about tiny homes that they think that people should live in them. There's people that have a, opinions that they think people should not live in them. So you definitely want to find someone in your legislation, legislature that is an advocate for you uh-huh. and um, shares the same opinions as you. Obviously, that would be helpful for them to get anything passed. So you have to get a, a bill in and anyone could submit a bill. The bill would need a sponsor. And then, you know, you have to pay attention and and know your stuff and, and show up, you know, these days it's, it's zoom. So it's pretty easy to show up for yeah. the workshop events and the, and the public hearing. And then you, you know, call and email and tell other people to show up and give testimony and show support. And, you know, this is an important issue. We, we need housing. We need options. We need affordable options. But if no one shows up to, you know, show support or give testimony, then the people in the committee, you know, they don't think that it's an issue, I guess. Right. I don't know if they live under a rock. (laughs) I'm curious. Can you speak to um, why you chose or, or why this bill took the strategy of defining tiny home as its own thing rather than trying to kind of extend existing ADU rules to say like, okay, a tiny home meeting these criteria can be used as an ADU. Um, It had to do with the transportation piece of it. Okay. So there's already uh, Appendix Q in place. Maine adopted Appendix Q um, in 2018. So, you know, there's already a system in place if you want to build a a home or a structure under 400 square feet. Okay. And there's codes to follow. So that already existed. So it was more, this legislation is for tiny homes on wheels or movable tiny homes. Okay. And it has to do with the title portion of it and the VIN number. Mm -hmm. Right. So the... 
the fact that it is on wheels, it creates its own category. So rather than try to modify Appendix Q or extend, that, that does make sense. Yep. I'm curious, um, you know, in your bio, you talk about that you have a, a lean manufacturing background. Um, how have you applied that to building tiny houses? So in lean manufacturing, the the basis of it is to eliminate waste and you have a single piece flow. So rather than manufacturing in, you know, what's referred to as batches. Mm -hmm. So instead of building 10 or 20 tiny homes at one time and having 20 different crews, 20 different sets of equipment, we build one at a time and have a streamlined process. So one at a time is completed. And we have one crew and one set of equipment and it's more efficient, less to manage, especially, you know, client wise, we're only dealing Mm -hmm. with three or four clients at a time um, as we queue up the next build and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it's just a more streamlined way to manufacture anything. So it's, it's been very beneficial for tiny homes. Nice. Nice. So how far out are you, are you booked? We're about a year out Uh right now with a backlog of tiny homes and that is growing every day, (laughs) but we are constantly working to scale up production we're working on a larger facility and obviously onboarding more folks so we can speed up our single piece flow in our lean manufacturing facility. Very cool. Um, yeah. And what primarily, um, what, what kind of builds are you doing? Are they, are they all stick frame builds? Yes. Okay. It's funny when I suppose the word manufacturing totally does apply to building a home. But like I, when I hear that word, I envision like an assembly line and a factory. Is that kind of how it is or is it? No, not really. Um, You can picture maybe three tiny homes. So you have one that's almost finished. The next one behind it is, you know, partially built. And then the one behind that is just the bare trailer. Mm -hmm. So usually that's how the flow goes. So, and then, you know, when the, the one at the front of the line is almost done, they all move ahead Mm -hmm. and that, that cycle repeats itself. It all repeats itself. So we have about three units in a row at any one time. Very nice. So it's, but it's still a single piece flow. Even with the three? Yes. And they're all different. So it's not like we're just cranking out the same tiny house. Right. They're all different. So are all your builds custom or are they, um, you know, certain models? We, we have paused Mm -hmm. the custom. Um, They were all custom. So our pipeline is full of custom builds, but as far as taking on new orders, we have paused the customization because of the unpredictability of supply chain right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of our suppliers have a lead time of six months. 
So um, it's just, you know, we, we want to keep expectations with our clients on delivery. Right. So it's just too unpredictable to do completely custom because all of, you know, all of that potentially has to be ordered where we do stock the standards, the standard items. Mm -hmm. So the floor plans that are on our website, which is about five different floor, floor plan, Mm -hmm. floor plans. Though that's what we're building. We can customize, you know, colors and things within the tiny home floor plan. Mm-hmm. But for now, that's what we're sticking with until the supply chain, if it ever gets back to normal, that would be great. So, yeah. Do you ever, do you see the, the work, the advocacy work that you did with Maine as, um, you know, is this a template that other states could use? Yes, absolutely. I would, I would definitely encourage it. It's not going to, you know, it doesn't solve anything, but I think the incremental, um, like we, we just got the definition in there, like the, the smaller bites are easier to tackle Mm -hmm. rather than one big encompassing tiny home bill. Right. That has everything in it. I think is you know, a few states have tried to do that unsuccessfully. So I think that the way we did it, which was not strategic, <laughs> um, it just happened to be that's how it worked out. But it, but it seems to be getting the definition in state law, and then you know acceptance of okay, all towns shall permit tiny homes, and then you know we probably still will work on the kind of the next issue is okay well how do you deal with sewer and electric and water hookups and what does that look like Mm, yeah so i feel like that's probably next up for things that need to be addressed yeah and what are your what are your ideas around that because i know it can be so different in different towns based on what their infrastructure is and what they want. Yeah. Um, you're in Maine. I mean, I see it. There's two paths for hooking up to utilities. Well, three, one is you have city hookups. So you have Mm -hmm. city water and sewer and that I would think should be the easiest. And then the second option is you want to tie into an existing home private well and septic Mm -hmm. so the rules would have to change for that and then the third is just completely off-grid right so i mean off-grid you'd still have you'd still need a water source but just advocating for more um you know solar solar power and something more feasible and more economical for water and sewer yeah. because you don't need a four bedroom septic system for a tiny home, obviously, or even a two bedroom septic system. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I don't think that we need laws in order to change that. I mean, those are rules that have been in place probably for 30 or 40 plus years. So I think it's just it, uh, in Maine anyway, they have a process for rule changing, they call it. So I think it's just 
convincing the right people that a tiny home has very little waste or water usage and shouldn't have the same requirements as a single family home. Right. Right. Yeah. That's I'm, so I'm in Vermont, um, you know, also a rural state and not far away. And in the cities, I know that, that the wastewater issue is, is a big one for tiny homes. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, what your, what your single family home was permitted for, you know, what your septic is permitted for, or your hookup to city is, is able to carry. And that is one of the many kind of little, like a death by a thousand cuts, but it's one of the many little hurdles to to just placing tiny homes in backyards and in cities. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is for sure. Yeah. Well, I just did a bicycle tour on the coast of Maine um, this August. Oh, cool. Yeah, Rockland to Bar Harbor and back. It was, uh, it was nice. It was, uh, I, bet. I was, I haven't been to Maine in ages because I live in Vermont and I was like, oh, Maine's going to be just like Vermont, but with a coast. It is not. It's much different. <laughs> it is much different. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, um, are any resources that you can share or recommend to listeners who are interested in kind of getting into advocacy? You know, I don't have any um, links or sites to mm-hmm. share, but well, actually, the, the Tiny Home Industry Association has yeah. all kinds of activity. You know, Lindsay over there is heading up Legalize Tiny Home Task Force or something like that. So, mm. yeah, Tiny Home industry association is has a ton of resources for advocacy Mm -hmm. excellent excellent well corin watson thank you so much for for doing the interview and being a guest on the show yes thank you thank you so much to corin watson for being a guest on the show today you can find the show notes including a full transcript and links to maine's historic bills that they recently passed at thetinyhouse.net slash 183. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 183. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.